everyone. Welcome back to the It's a Mind Game podcast and now YouTube. My name is Jade and I'm so excited to have Nikki back with us, also known as The Wellness Antidote. She joined us for episode 47 and shared her incredible HA story and I guess unicorn story as well as she beautifully fell pregnant before that first period. And now she's back to join us to talk about motherhood and postpartum. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you so much. It's so nice to do that, chatting to you. Oh, and you know, we were just chatting before we started recording and cannot believe the timeline. It was probably five months ago that we last spoke. And obviously we've kept in touch in between these last two episodes, but my goodness, five months, I nearly fell over backwards. So crazy. I can't believe it's nearly Christmas. So exciting. I love this time of year, but yeah, it has really gone so quickly. I know. Now, obviously, you've got your beautiful daughter, Romy, now, and we thought it'd be a really nice conversation to have, obviously, because so many of us want to recover from HA to go on to become a mum. And that brings a whole new world of hurdles and obstacles and challenges, both beautiful and, you know, difficult. But we thought it'd be really nice to open up the conversation to postpartum struggles and new mum life. And I guess I'm going to say a full disclaimer before we start talking is that we absolutely love being mums. There is nothing about any of this conversation that is going to imply otherwise. Um, and I think probably a topic we'll touch on is just mum guilt, that if you happen to open up about something that you're finding a little bit more difficult to navigate, sometimes the reason you don't want to talk about it is because you don't want anyone to think that you're not enjoying this beautiful time of life. So you kind of hold it all in. So I think to get that out of the way, we love being mums, <laughs> but this is just a nice conversation to sort of go, well, these are things that have come up for us and things that we've needed to work through. And just for any other one listening out there who's about to become a mum or is a new mum as well, you might sit there and go, oh, I get it. I get it. Do you want to start us off, Nikki? What are some things that you found beautiful, challenging about being a first-time mum? Um, yeah, you're right. You nailed it with that. It's like, it's mum guilt, even speaking about the, like the hard things that come with motherhood, I guess. Um, especially when you've tried so, so hard to get pregnant. It's, it's all I ever wanted was to be a mum. Um, and I'm so grateful for every second. It's just so, there's just such a, a huge amount of information out there. And I've found, um, navigating through, the different advice and the information and trying to figure out what works for you is just so extremely overwhelming um in itself and yeah I found it to be um it's a, it's an amazing journey but it's gosh it's challenging I'm gonna have to shut that window I'm so sorry someone's no, just okay. started mowing next to me that's completely <laughs> fine <laughs> um now so Rummy's uh, just over five months old and Cosima will be two in January. So um, some of the things Nikki is sort of, and I've been chatting about, I've, we've drawn parallels with when it comes to, I guess, body image, sleeping and all that sort of thing. So I guess there's a bit of a, a current and a reflective side of this conversation. Because um, I know for me, one of the biggest challenges was definitely mum guilt. And Cosima was born two months before all of the hardcore lockdowns in Victoria happened, which in all honesty, it was kind of a blessing and a curse because I had so much privacy to just work out how to be mum, how to breastfeed, how to um, just find my feet as a mum because, yes, it, it did feel very natural and I was just so full of love and adored her, but there is so many things that you never thought about on a daily basis that you're suddenly thrown with every single day and as much as you enjoy it, it is a lot to catch up on and adding in, you know, friends dropping in or people um, coming unannounced and things like that. I'm sort of grateful I had some sort of peace and quiet to just work everything out. Um, but I think the negative side of that was come time to, I guess, open up to the world and sort of see everybody and things like that. I found myself um, finding it really difficult to ask anyone to watch Cosima or um, just have any kind of help around the house even for that matter and like a big thing which doesn't seem like much at all but even just to go and get my hair done I remember thinking oh, I just I can't do it because I can't ask for help I can't ask anyone to look after her and 
there's actually like that wasn't true at all but at Mm. the time that felt very true to me and it's something that I learned as I went on and now I'm in a place now where I can actually see that by giving Kasima to her nan or her Mima for a little play date so I can go do a couple of things there's so much joy for everybody because I can quickly do some things Kasima gets a wonderful play date and her grandmas get a wonderful play date but I, I didn't see that early days I just felt like I shouldn't need to ask for help I always wanted to be a mum you're a mum now don't go handballing did you ever do you do you ever think things like that I think um it's hard because we just moved where there's nobody that I sort of know around here so it's a little bit different I've got all my family in New Zealand who haven't even met Romy um all the in-laws up in Brisbane who haven't met her so we're pretty isolated here in that respect but in saying that when I was back in Canberra when I had her people would ask you know can I come over can I do this and I was like like a friend of mine would come over and she was like I'll make you a cup of tea and I'll do this and I was like no 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 like it's fine I've got it all um or someone would reach out and be like do you want to chat about this or how are you going with this or do you need extra help even just to talk about it and I was like no 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 it's fine like just thinking I needed to work it all out myself so Mm -hmm. in that respect yes not that the actual help physically but um yeah I think you sort of think like I don't know you don't want to bother anybody with anything and you think I'll I'll work it out like surely this is just everybody just has to work all this stuff out but it's like no actually no one tells you how hard breastfeeding is and um sleeping is and um and so many different things like that I had no idea was so difficult until I was actually in them myself and Mm -hmm. when I actually did talk to people about it or or got help from people I felt so much better yeah and because we've both got challenging sleepers and um I guess I found at the start I at the start for a long long time I was researching so much like what's the best thing I can do how can I do it and um I almost drove myself crazy with information when at my call, I did know that, you know, a cuddle was the solution and it turns out that it always was. And obviously different parents have different parenting styles. So you obviously do exactly what feels right for you and your baby. Um, but I speak a lot about Cosima sleep a lot more now because I feel okay to talk about it. But I remember early on, um, it, it was really challenging. She was waking up all the time and because she was breastfed, never took a bottle, I couldn't um, ask someone to say take a, take a night feed or anything like that because like she wouldn't take a bottle and you know 50% of me absolutely loved it because it's like I could just cherish every cuddle but then 50% was like oh even if I need just an extra hour's sleep I like that's not accessible um, but I remember not wanting to share that with anyone because in my mind I thought oh gosh if I say that out loud they're gonna think that I don't enjoy being with her or they're going to think that I'm ungrateful that I can breastfeed because obviously everyone's breastfeeding journey is different. And don't get me wrong, I was, I was so grateful that I was able to, but I never wanted to be in a position where just by sharing what I was going through in that time made anybody feel like I was being judgmental based on their experience or making them think that I wasn't grateful for the life I was currently living. And I think sometimes we can be a little bit more sensitive to such conversations because we've come from a place where we thought we couldn't have children or it was quite difficult. So you kind of, you're a little bit more cautious about everything because, you know, I'm sure, you know, we've both had those chats where our friends are talking to us about babies and we're so happy to be there for them, but part of it hurts because it's like, oh, something that you're, you're longing for. Um, did you get like that with some conversations too? It's like, oh, I so want to share, but I'm scared you're going to take it the wrong way. So I'll just, I'll just sit. Yeah, I think so definitely because it's like, it doesn't mean, um, it's funny. It's even when you're getting up like hourly to feed them or they're crying and they're not settling, you get so, it's really like, it's hard emotionally and physically, like your back's aching, you're exhausted, Mm. that kind of thing. You never once, I never once would, in those moments there's so much love there that it's like it's hard to explain to people like that don't I guess that aren't mothers for one that it's you have so much love for them but you're so exhausted and frustrated as well and it's not at them it's more like at the situation because you sort of think and I think this is the HA side coming out like what could I be doing better I always thought to myself like what am I doing wrong like what 
what is going to work for her? Like I need to work it out. And it's, and I used to be like, you know, you'd try all these different things and I'd want to figure it out. Mm. Um, there's no, it's going to take time to figure these things out. And in the process of it, there's no point sitting there banging your head against the wall or not talking about it because you think people are going to judge you because it might mean that you don't love your child at the, or that you're yeah. ungrateful for the situation or whatever. It doesn't mean it at all. Like I said, that love that you have, that unconditional love you have for them is hard to explain. Um, even in those moments so yeah definitely I did um but I think that is where I made the decision probably about a month ago with this sort of stuff just to stop googling stop researching stop trying to read all these different books that contradict each other and just go with my intuition and you know and just try and work it out just us because it's so overwhelming and that makes it so much harder um, to not try and navigate what is actually going to work for you when you are getting information everywhere and well it's a bit of a blessing and a curse isn't it and I think I have this conversation with maybe my mum because none of my friends have had children yet so um, even if I was to sort of explore something with them I could tell it was a little bit hard like they were definitely listening to me but you know you don't really understand until you're in the shoes um, and I just remember saying, I'm pretty sure it was my mum, that I wonder if the access to information is a bit of a blessing and a curse, because obviously the nights when you're wide awake, bub's so cosily asleep on your chest and you go, this is the perfect time to research and find out how tomorrow can be a better day to be super mum. And as you said, like you adore them and you just look at them for hours and your heart is so full of love. Like all of this journey is so full of love, which I think sometimes is what makes it confusing because you've never loved and adored something so much. And yet you've got these really strong feelings of frustration and am I failing? And and they just contradict each other. Um, but, you know, that access to information. So obviously my mum my, my had me and my brother it was very much you spoke to your doctor, you spoke to your own mum, and that was pretty much it. Like you might have read a couple of books, but um, it, you weren't on your phone just quickly Googling best way to sleep or best way to do this or best way to do that. And sometimes that information, I think, sends us crazy because we're searching for this perfect solution and the access to information kind of makes it feel like there's a perfect solution when at its core it really is just getting to learn all about your baby and and what works for you two like as a team or three or four you know depending on how big mm. your family is but especially when you're establishing feeding routines and sleep routines I know no matter how much I researched I found that with Cosima we might get a bit of a rhythm for two or three weeks like the closest thing we had to a rhythm and then something would change and then no. and then I'd be like that's okay we've got it we've got it and then we do it for two or three weeks I'm like oh my god it's changed again and yeah. At the start, I was. It, it felt like you're getting defeated every couple of weeks, and then I guess as you mature as a mum and sort of trust your instincts over text that's out there, you start to just go, oh, "I'm just gonna go with the flow." Like mm -hmm. baby will sleep, if baby needs cuddles or feeds or whatever it is, and it I, it's just such an experiencing. And I guess you can relate it to HA in regards to at the start you hear about this eat more trainless process and you've got so much resistance like no 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 and then as soon as you surrender and just go yeah I'm just gonna eat I'm just gonna rest life gets easier because you're not trying to find this perfect thing you just go you know what we're gonna work it out we're just gonna wait it out cuddle it out love it out and what will be will be and the weight off your shoulders that comes with not trying to fix it or be perfect or all those sorts of things actually just takes so much stress out of it instantly oh my gosh it does you said it perfectly and like the key word being surrender there it was just that's exactly right because you're just adding you're almost making it awful for yourself because you're adding this huge pressure off like you know if the first nap went to crap then you'd be like to me I'd be like oh well the whole day is ruined and it's just going to be awful I'm never going to get it down for the second nap and blah 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 and it's like well if you actually just be like okay that's all good like doesn't matter we'll just deal with it and we'll just do extra cuddles things can wait because nothing ever fell apart like nothing ever falls apart mm. you know maybe you don't get as much of the housework done that day or you can't do as much work as you wanted to 
like it's actually okay and nothing bad ever happens if you do just surrender and, and enjoy that process. You're so right. It would make it so much nicer than getting yourself into a state thinking, oh my God, like this is all wrong. This is all wrong. And it's, I'm never going to be able to fix it. And it's horrible. And you build it up and build it up in your head. Yeah. And it can feel that way when you're looking at the sleep schedules and don't get me wrong. There is, there is a lot of merit to sleep schedules and wake windows and things like that. When like not saying they, they're not a real thing because they absolutely are. But when you're seeing so much literature out there that says that your baby works like clockwork, as soon as that first nap has a hiccup, it does feel like, oh, I've ruined it. Like <laughs> it's all over. She's overtired and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Yeah. And as you said, it's like, oh, you know what? When the next nap comes, it could mean that you're on the couch cuddling for an extra half an hour. But it's, it isn't like they're never going to sleep again or you're never going to get to go into the kitchen or move upstairs or anything like that. But at the mo- in that moment, it feels like because you miss that wake window or that five-minute block that the day's done. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's, I guess, for any new mums listening, it's, it's so important to be aware of wake windows because it's amazing how much there is to just having that sweet spot when they fall asleep. Um, but at the same time, they will sleep anyway. And if you've, like, I strongly believe that your baby can sense if you're starting to freak out. And if you realize, oh crap, they're not asleep. They're meant to be asleep 15 minutes ago. And then it's like, you try harder to get them to sleep. And then they resist it more because it's like, they sense something's up. Like, why is mum panicking? (laughs) Like what's going on? But if you just literally relax and do whatever your process is to get bub to go to sleep, I always found like, obviously in hindsight, she would start to fall asleep so much more effortlessly if I just went, oh, we're running a bit late. That's okay. We'll just keep going because they do, they pick up on that stress so easily. Mm. No, they do. They do. And they're right on your chest as well. Like I often used to think that she's sleeping literally on my heart and I'm probably going like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like freaking out and not as I'm making it sound like I'm having mini panic attack I'm not but you know like you are like so stressed when it gets to that yeah and also I think to remember too at this point when you're sleep deprived like you're really tired too so some of the panic to feel like you need to get them to sleep is just so that you can have 10 minutes to yourself and it's like I just really would like 10 minutes to have a cup of tea to read a book to just not use my hands to just like and then if you feel like that 10 minutes kind of keeps you sane and if you run the risk of losing that 10 sometimes that's the panic it's actually got nothing to do with baby it's just that I really need this 10 minutes to just have a reset like please let me have my 10 minutes yeah yeah no. or have a shower or like just go and make yourself something to eat um it's quite a lot hey and then I used to be like I just I don't know why I did it to myself I was like I literally haven't slept longer than three hours for nearly four months like you know those three-hour blocks for nearly and I'd think like that and I'd be like my my cortisol must be going through the roof and then I'm stressing about it and I'm so like exhausted and it's like yeah you just you make it so much worse for yourself but when you are sleep derived it's quite hard not to Mm -hmm. your best you're not running best at all um so yeah and you also and this is coming from a hindsight perspective because so Kasima will be two in January she only started sleeping well honestly in the last two months and um, before that she was waking every three hours still sometimes we get a few six hour blocks and they were lovely um, but for the most part it was still really regular for you know one and a half years and I used to think to myself like you know I'm fine especially if I get a six hour block I feel amazing um, but then when I actually started getting long lengths of sleep I really felt different and it's like you know you're not optimal in the moment but at the same time you're still doing pretty damn good to keep up with everything so you're like nah I'm okay but then once you do introduce that that those longer amount of blocks and honestly I feel really bad even saying this to you because I know you're not getting the long blocks of sleep so I'm really sorry I feel like it's just like salt in the wound um but I just remember the first couple of nights where I got longer than three hours, longer than six hours. I woke up and I was like, oh, wow, like this is what this feels like. And you don't really know how much toll the sleep deprivation is taking on you until you've got the perspective of what it feels like to have more sleep again. And therefore, again, in hindsight, you can have more compassion for yourself 
and, you know, potentially being a little bit more panic stricken than normal because you start to recognize, oh, wow, like I, I really was functioning off such low sleep, but it was nothing I could actually recognize when I was in it. It was very, I was a little bit hard on myself. Like, why aren't you like energetic 24 seven? And why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? And now I look back and it's like, well, yeah, you were like, you were surviving, of course, but you weren't like thriving in this optimal sleep state either. Sleep so, so healing, so good for you. Um, and I know myself personally, I like used to thrive off eight, nine hours as a, I would have to have my eight, nine hours. Um, I feel very greedy looking back at <laughs> like you didn't make the most. Um, yeah, but no, you worked so hard to get to this point. You're allowed to talk to me about long sleep stretches. <laughs> stretches. Um, yeah, because it, it is so like hard. A, like, oh. And it wasn't that long ago I was in the same it. boat. <laughs> no, it, it's okay. Like, she's young. It's more like, I think, for me, it gets me. The only thing is, like, when I see a lot of my friends with children around the three, four-month age, I don't know why I'm just on Facebook. I, I know a lot of people that have got babies the same age as Romy that are posting my child sleeping through the night and I'm like what like at three four months mm. there's been so many posts recently that I've seen that's um like mothers are saying my baby's sleeping through the night and my partner Connor's like well, you don't know if they're formula fed babies you don't know if there's um you know what are they counting as sleeping through the night are they counting as 10 to 6 or um you know and all these other factors and and also it's not your baby like all babies are different maybe Romy's going to be better and it's something else like I don't know like just because she's not sleeping through the night and mm. these other mothers are saying that theirs are like I have to stop you can't compare you just can't and you yeah. can't let it get to you because there is nothing you can do that all so different and that's once again why all the information out there is just going to work for some people and not for some people like yeah I think that's what makes it tricky though because and I, I went through the same thing with you know um Kasima's cousin six months older than her and she was sleeping 12 hours straight. Oh gosh, like five or six months or something like really young. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's amazing. And, but that was sort of the only baby sleep I'd really heard about. So I thought it was amazing, but I didn't think much of it. And then I started noticing things on Facebook that were, you know, my, bab my baby's same age or younger sleeping 10 hours, eight hours, all these sorts of things. And that's, that really made me a bit paranoid to be honest because then it turned into I must be doing something wrong because all these other babies sleep and my baby does and it must be me like never for a second did I ever think there's something wrong with Cosima like at all and there's absolutely nothing wrong with Cosima but when I heard those stories it was very much um you know it's my fault I need to fix it as in I need to fix me I'm broken I'm not being a good mum I'm failing at my job like you've got one job and yeah. it's not working um and going through what I've gone through now, I honestly think that it just like walking, talking, crawling, I really think sleep's developmental and they get to a spot where they just learn to sleep through the night. And a lot of people listening to this will probably disagree with me and you're more than welcome to. Um, but just, I just noticed that at one point in time, because Sam just slowly become a better sleeper. Um, and I have noticed as well that formula fed babies tend to have a full tummy for longer and tend to sleep longer and I'm, I'm not quoting statistics or studies this is purely just friendship groups and all that sort of thing but it does seem quite common um because you just mentioned then as well how your partner said well you don't know what's going on behind closed doors um and that's a really interesting thing too because I spoke to a pediatrician about Cosima's sleep when she was nine months old and I said you know she's nine months she's still waking every three like what am I doing wrong and she's, she asked me a few questions about the behaviors and things like that. And she, she's hungry, feed her. Like she's not even one. And I remember her, her tone in her response was really comforting because it wasn't this, well, have you done this? And have you done this? She just asked a few questions. I answered and she's, ah, like she's a baby, feed her. She's growing. And I was like, oh, of course. Yeah. Like that's, that's, it's that simple. And sometimes you need yeah. to hear that, that it's like, no, there's no wrong or right here. It's just. She's hungry. She needs more. Um, yeah, how did you go with? Especially... Yeah, no, keep going. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, especially with the waking during the night, like, I, you know how you know they're different cries, and I never realised this until I was a mum, like, you know they're hungry cry, they're upset cry, they're grizzly, they've got different. If I hear her doing her hungry cry in the middle of the night, 
I, I'm like, I'm going to feed her and that's it. Like, I'm not going to try and let her cry it out or, or mm. leave her or, you know, let her settle. Like, I know she's hungry, so I'm going to get up and feed her. And it's like, I, I, how, I don't know. I couldn't let my baby sleep 12 hours, even if she, she she's not ready to, obviously, like yeah. other babies are. So, yeah. No, that's so important that you brought that. up about the, the um, different cries, though, for two reasons. One, um, we when Kasima started on like purees and solids and all that sort of thing, I bought her a Subo bottle, which I'd put like a smoothie in it, um, yogurt, banana, oats, honey, peanut butter, like literally calorie dense thing. Because she wouldn't take a bottle, but for some reason she would drink this Subo bottle. And that was when she jumped from three hours to six hours. That happened within two days of having a smoothie a day. Like, because they said she was hungry and obviously she wasn't getting enough during the day. Um, so she'd make up for it at night. And then that smoothie come in and like oh my god it was an absolute blessing um but again like I couldn't have done that any earlier because she wasn't ready to be having smoothies and things like that she was purely on milk so all those things come into play um but just with the cries I remember my mum always used to say like you know the different cries did you find that you knew the different cries straight away or did that take some time to work out it took me a while and I needed to hear them all and um and learn her because I read in the book the what to expect before something I don't know it was like describing them like <laughs> the low pitched and the different I'm not even going to try and do them <laughs> are you sure come on give us like, a go <laughs> <laughs> like, try and, like write out how they sound, it's like, I was listening it's to like it. draw it it's like there's <laughs> a... <laughs> yeah like different like pitches and stuff like that and I was like but she's not doing that but it's but once again it's, she's her own thing she's going to follow what it says in the book but she does have different <laughs> yeah. I just didn't it took me a couple of months to learn them like and out of that newborn phase um, yeah what about you no I, I love the full disclosure of the different cries because that was actually something I felt quite bad about is um if I did see more like older generations sort of like parents age and Cosima would get upset they'd be like oh what cry is that and I know her cries incredibly well now but the first three four months it was if, if she cried it was very much feed her check her nappy um, you know make sure she doesn't have a temperature like it was very much that oh and you know that she's warm she's not cold nappy change feed and it was kind of like how you go Frankie's wallet before you leave the house it was those three things yeah, and yeah. then if everything was okay then I just cuddle her because it's like well I'm not sure you're you're healthy you've got a full tummy you've got a clean nappy you, you're a great temperature um like there's there's nothing left and um yeah like we'll just cuddle it out and it would always work out but I do remember feeling bad about if someone asked me that and I, I, I never lied about it. I said, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'll just see if she needs a feed or has a wet nappy. Or... And a couple of times I copped a look like, oh, okay. Really? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, why did I know her cries? But then fast forward a few months, I, I, there is definitely a hungry cry. There's an angry cry. There's a distressed cry. There's a I've got tummy pain cry. Like I can easily work them out now, but that first four months, I'm sorry, it was just a cry. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't. I just, yeah. it was more like an alarm that went off and I'm like, all right, do all the checks. Oh my gosh. But once again, you're like a brand new mum. They're so little. And yeah, like I said, it was a couple of months for her as well. When they are that little, I think it's just a newborn cry, a newborn cry, isn't it? And yeah. you're taught to do the whole change, check the nappy, feed, blah, blah, blah. Like midwife said to me, all the time in the um, hospital if in doubt whip it out chuck her on the boob like all the time. I, I love that because you know what for the most part their hunger is you know they're hungry all the time and you know speaking of hunger too did you feed on demand did you do like a schedule what did you end up doing feed on demand we had a horrible time with breastfeeding honestly like it was a really really tough journey and I used to basically be feeding her 24 7 like um so yeah I guess feed on demand I remember like the first couple of months of her life I think she was literally latched on me for maybe like I don't know I'd say like 18 hours a day maybe no that sounds ridiculous I don't know it was but it was a long like, time yeah we were feeding every like two and a half hours but you know how you time it from the first when you first start feeding and she'd feed for about an hour an hour and a half it was really really difficult for her um, and then we do it again in about an hour. So, mm. and that was all through the night and day and it was horrible, but we got through it in the end. But um, 
yeah, basically on demand for her. Um, she just couldn't. We had I had mastitis quite badly. Oh, you pull it um, And then like nipple thrush, and then all sorts of things went wrong, and they didn't like. I just was so sore, and then she needed the nipple shields as well to feed, which took a long, long time um, for her to get the milk out, and um, that's why we didn't realize, but we realized after when things got better. And now she's really easy to feed; like she feeds so well, and it's so exciting. But um, yeah, it was <laughs> pretty much feed on demand, feed constantly those first couple of months. Yeah, and no one prepares you for, and I guess, because I, I kind of think that once you've been a mum or you've been past that breastfeeding phase, you kind of forget about how difficult the first few months are because, like, even though they're difficult, you're still so full of love that it kind of just fades away. Like how women say childbirth was really difficult, but they go back for more because it's like, oh, yeah, but, you know. And, like, breastfeeding's kind of the same because it, it is painful and it takes a long time to establish a, a good routine and they cluster feed at the start. And mm. I just remember, so for me, I had engorgement. I had oversupply, which meant that I had to pump before I put Cosima on because there was just too much milk and she'd cough and choke and, like, it was awful. Um, and then also it was quite painful as well. But I remember thinking between like pumping first, then feeding her and then sleeping and then pumping, feeding and that whole cycle. There was times where I'd just sit there and be like, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to be breastfeeding. I'm so grateful to be holding this beautiful baby in my arms. And, you know, this whole experience is everything I've ever wanted. But am I ever going to get off this couch? Like, yeah. And it sounds so simple and dramatic at the same time but when you've been feeding non-stop for really long periods and literally the only time you've really gotten up is to have a shower go to the toilet if you're lucky because sometimes they've just fallen asleep and you're not going to move because they've just fallen asleep and um again like don't get me wrong I loved every part of the experience and I'm not being critical but I do remember sometimes sitting there thinking like I I feel like I've disappeared like I've become mum and I love being mum but the fact that you you don't realize how much freedom you lose when you've got those first four weeks eight weeks 12 weeks of being a mother and yeah there's certain things I anticipated would happen but I never really thought about the idea of all you're going to do for four six 12 weeks whatever it is is really just focus on making sure this bub's got a full tummy they've got lots of cuddles and they've got a clean nappy I kind of thought that I'd have the freedoms to do other things and not even like leisurely things, just do the dishes when I wanted to or go have a shower and wash my hair when I wanted to. And it wasn't like that at all. It was very much if I wanted to have a shower, I had to like ask John to be available so I could go have a shower or I might be busting to go to the toilet for like an hour because it's just not a good time to go to the toilet. Um, and I, I didn't know all this. And then it sort of happened. I'm like, like this, this is tough like basic things are really difficult to have access to yeah no I totally agree it's like a blur to me now and I even <laughs> I joke about the fact that I was just it was horrible and it was so intense the breastfeeding like journey in that first sort of 12 weeks or so um because it was it was you're right you're in this like beautiful newborn bubble and it's so special but it's so intense like it really is with um learning to breastfeed and I just I just wish that is the one thing I knew that it wasn't going to be like the ladies in the cafe just you know now it's fine like I can just yeah. whip out my boob and put her on I'm like this is like you just feed and so you're so quick and you're so efficient and I know you're full but at the start I'd be sitting there like trying to hold her on and use the bloody nipple shield and then trying to get her to actually like eat properly and then wondering is she eating enough and then just sitting there for ages with her mm. because she was wanting to go for like hours and yeah it was, it was really really insane it's insane <laughs> you definitely appreciate the ease of it later on once yeah. babies learn how to feed properly your supplies reached whatever demands that it has um yeah. I remember I not that I could go to cafes but I thought to myself oh my gosh how do women do this you know they just put their little muslin wrap over the top and they pop baby on because for me my milk had a world of its own as soon as I bloody took my bra off it would just go everywhere and yeah. I am being like this is like I felt a bit humiliated to be honest because it's so vulnerable it's like oh my gosh why can't I just control this bodily function and I'm so glad I can yeah. feed this beautiful baby 
But at the same time, I really feel out of control because I'm trying yeah. to work out my own body. I'm trying to make sure this gorgeous little child can feed. Um, and I guess another thing that I felt quite challenging with the feeding wasn't even just the, the consistency. And as you beautifully said, learning to breastfeed because it is absolutely a learning phase for sure. But did you find it really difficult to hold conversation when like first, when you're first breastfeeding, not now when it's sort of like you just pop her on, she knows what to do. But when at the start, when you're trying to make sure they latch properly and that they're, you know, on a nice little position to take in the right milk. And um, I just remember sometimes when my husband was talking to me, I'd be like, Can I just, I just need to wait 10 minutes. Cause I, I can't, I can't think I, I don't know why, but as soon as I start trying to feed her in between trying to work myself out, trying to work her out, it's like, there's no, there's no space for anything else. Did you ever feel that way? Yeah, I, I would describe it as like I used to just like zone out. Yeah. I'd be talking with somebody and it was mainly because my family would FaceTime a lot and because I was always, always feeding her, mum used to say, oh, like you should FaceTime me. I was literally feeding her all the time. Um, and, yeah, often I would be talking and then I'd just completely zone out because I'd just be starting to concentrate on her and it was hard to yeah. Yeah, hold a conversation uh, now I can't though because she's like at that phase where she's super distracted. Like if yeah. Connor comes in the room and I'm feeding, she'll be like and look <laughs> at him and start smiling. It's so cute, but it's so annoying. I'm like just go away. Just she's not gonna be long. <laughs> no, I because we used to do that too, and I remember thinking the same. Like focus, focus. I'm right here. Like yeah. just finish your feed, no, and then you can. Look. Because you're also so yeah, exposed too. Good. As soon as they turn to whip their head around, it's like, oh, okay, my boobs just out in the open right now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Literally, just learn to blow like raspberries as well. So now she'll just stop and unlatch and like look at me and start blowing raspberries. I'm like, can you not? Like it's so cute, but she spits milk at me because she's just <laughs> spitting and smiling, laughing. It's so funny. She's got such a cute, little cheeky personality. Like. But I think back to like, man, back like four months ago and I was sitting here stressing, trying to hold you on and yeah. maneuvering the little nipple shield and everything. Um, so I'm so grateful for that experience, even though it was, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like it. I didn't like the experience. Um, I honestly didn't, like it was really tough, but yeah, looking back, it's, I can see the funny side and I can see like how far we've come. So it's like, it's yeah. good. Um, what was your motivation for using the nipple shield? Was that sort of suggested by a midwife or you always knew you wanted to do that? How come you ended up using that? No, I had, um, I had quite like flat nipples. Like they didn't really like come out at all. And now, now okay. they're fine, but she couldn't latch without them. Yep. And we were trying everything and she just wouldn't latch. Um, and it was like the, you know, how the midwives wrote, I, I, I didn't, I went through the um, public system in Canberra and the midwives would rotate. So everyone would come in and try something different. And then this one lady said, have you tried nipple shields? And I was like, no, but like, give me anything because she wouldn't stay on. Mm. And so I used one and um, it was fine. Like she, she, she could suck and just immediately. And yeah, I, I don't like them because they're annoying because you have to wash them and sanitize them in between every feed, which was a nightmare. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was the only thing that got her to start breastfeeding. So I used them and then I weaned her off them and, and we were fine. So Yeah, because yeah. that's a big part of the process, isn't it? The working out even just intervention methods for breastfeeding. Because um, as I was public system too in Victoria and when I was in hospital, for those couple of days after the C-section, I wasn't having any difficulties with feeding her. Like she was latching well, my supply was good. But once I got home was when the like engorgement really kicked in. And it was just by chance that a friend of mine, um, she's a midwife. And I think she spoke to my husband or something at jujitsu. She's like, you know, how's Jade going? He goes, oh, like everything's going really good. But, you know, like literally her chest is too full and now the baby's finding it hard to latch on. And she ended up calling me and saying like, oh, has anyone ever told you to, to pump first? And I had, didn't buy a pump or anything like that because I didn't even know if I was going to be able to breastfeed. I was very much, I'll just give it a go in the hospital. And if it works, fantastic. And if it doesn't, well, formula it is, no biggie. And, um, and when she suggested that, I just remember thinking, oh, like I, I never gave this any thought. And she actually lent me her pump. And oh my gosh, it was just such a lifesaver. Like, yes, it was an extra task to do, 
but it made feeding just that little bit easier. And I wouldn't have known that because like my mum didn't breastfeed. I think John's mum only did for a couple of weeks and that was, you know, 30 years ago. So they're not that in touch with these things either. And none of my friends had had babies yet. And I just thought if I hadn't have had that conversation with her, I'm not sure what I would have done. I think at some point I would have called up like Breastfeeding Australia and asked for advice. But as sort of what you experience, depending on who you get, they offer different suggestions. And it almost feels like by chance you get the right information for what you need. Um, And I guess moral of the story is if you're breastfeeding and you're having difficulties, like keep asking different people until something clicks, not because, you know, you're doing anything wrong. It's you're not doing anything wrong. It's just there's probably just one thing that works really well for you and you've just got to find it. Absolutely agree. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really good piece of advice for anybody that is struggling with breastfeeding. And we're lucky we've got the Australian Breastfeeding Association now um, because, yeah, you can just call them basically, hey, and they've got all this information and, um, yeah, you're right, there's so many different techniques, even like ways to hold baby that's going to change the experience and um, options and everything foods to eat like the undersupply and um for things you can do for oversupply like pumping like yeah there's so much that you can actually do but it's just working it out once again hey yeah and there's some level of perseverance to it too because depending like oversupply undersupply and again if you decide you don't want to breastfeed like you do whatever works for you and I I'm just a strong believer in that there's so much to think about that you just make everything as simple as you can as long as baby's got a full tummy perfect um but one of my girlfriends recently had a baby and her supply was slow to come in and she was kind of grateful that the midwives sort of just said here's the formula like just give the formula you can um, wait and see if your milk comes in and then we'll go from there which she found really comforting because it wasn't someone saying keep trying to breastfeed and if you can't then this is your backup which could have given a negative tone which is what a lot of women get it's like oh well if you can't have formula and it gives formula a bit of a like a sassy tone. And it's like, there is nothing wrong with formula, nothing at all. Um, And then she got back home and it was like the milk just never come in. So she called Breastfeeding Association Australia and um, had one consultation with them. They gave her a few tips about like um, heat packs on her chest before she feeds, um, about how to relax to let the letdown happen a little bit easier, settings for the pump. Um, And she doesn't have enough of the supply so that baby can be all breast milk, but it's enough that she can have like a 50, 50 split. And that phone call was the saving grace because otherwise she wasn't sure what to do. And the fact that she did reach out. Yeah. She had some leeway there. So um, definitely it's amazing how much you've got to work with when it comes to breastfeeding, even as you said on the nutrition front, like there is certain things that actually can help your supply And, you know, if you try everything and it doesn't work, like it's okay. Um, But yeah, I was mind blown at the different levels of things you could do to sort of help with that whole process. Yeah, it is good. Hey, it's really, really good that you've got all that information out there. And that is, yeah, like it's hard as well, once again, because it's like a lot of conflicting information, but it um, it is lucky that we've got that. If you are really like keen on breastfeeding, if that's your choice, like you said, Bit is obviously best but um yeah it's just trial and error I guess the food the nutrition the foods though oh my gosh just on that quickly yeah, I couldn't do. believe how much of a difference um my body reacted to some of those foods to encourage my milk supply um at the start because I had a little bit more of an undersupply and um I started eating like brewer's yeast and oats and flax in my diet and these special mummy smoothies that um were full of a whole lot of things I think and specific herbs and everything like that and I could literally feel the letdown coming in as soon as I started adding them to my diet I was really that's amazing um and I don't know like it might once again it might be different for everybody but I Mm. really really noticed a difference like I'd feel you know that letdown feeling yeah yeah. um you probably got quite a lot with the oversupply I never got that until I started eating these foods and suddenly I was feeling letdown and I'm like what the hell like it's got to be um so it was yeah and then I'd stop eating them and I wouldn't feel it and then I'd start eating them again and I'd feel that the letdown and it was a game changer that's really amazing good. hey because I know that brewers yeast and oats are like two key players on the nutritional front of helping supply 
um because I remember like the the booby bickies and things like that and um I guess Instagram must have known that I had a baby because suddenly it started showing me all these like booby cookies and things like that on the ads um but I remember making some of like the homemade ones and you know they're a delicious snack because you get so hungry did you get really hungry oh my god I was ravenous all day all night two in the morning I'm like give me food (laughs) somebody please snacks my partner used to steal my almonds like they'd be I'd have like this big jar of almonds next to the side table where I'd feed Romy at night and huge bottles of water because so thirsty so hungry at all hours um it's ridiculous hey how much your body must just be needing like it's crazy yeah I think that was like one of the finishing touches of my eating disorder because um, like I hadn't had disordered eating for ages when, like when I was pregnant and things like that, but I still had these lingering thoughts of I'd rather eat when others are eating until I started breastfeeding. And at 2am, um, cause John was able to stay in the hospital after the Caesar. I remember the first night, obviously I didn't know I was going to be hungry. So I, I just sort of thought, oh gosh, I'm a bit hungry. And then the next day I'm like, Hey, I really need to go to the shops and get me some nuts, um, and some seeds or like the trail mix kind of stuff. And he goes, oh, you're hungry. I'm like, no, no, I need it for like two, three a.m. And I remember his expression being like, oh, because I was so open about, no, no, I need this food where normally I I just wouldn't have mentioned it. I would have just gone hungry. And um, I think two or three nights later, he goes, you really do get hungry, don't you? Because the the bag would have been gone like a couple of handfuls later, done. I'm like, you have no idea. Like it is an intense hunger as in I'm not sleeping unless I eat. Yeah, like your stomach is rumbling. Like it's, yeah. And I would even just like eat a good lunch. Like I made a whole lot of Ayurvedic healing foods and like beautiful foods to eat postpartum and stocked my freezer up. And they were gone in like a couple of weeks because it would be like you'd eat and then you would literally feel so hungry like two hours later. And I was like, I've eaten, or like an hour later, I've eaten like a good amount of food, like mm-hmm. a balanced meal. Um, and I just need to keep eating. And it's, yeah, it's a lot. Um, but you just got to listen to your body in that aspect. And I think that is another thing that I'm grateful for HA recovery from because I was I wasn't going to deprive myself. I was like, if my body needs it, my body obviously needs it for me and baby. Like it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm not sure I would have had the same attitude if I hadn't have gone through what I previously went through. Um, I think part of me would have been like, no, you, you've had enough for today. But given the HA recovery, it was like, yeah. no, no, your body's giving you all green lights to go eat. Like there is nothing to question here. Yeah. Just go do it. Yeah. Um, now we've got to wrap things up because we've got little time considering our little munchkins need food and naps and all those sorts of things. But I guess one quick question, um, as I think it was really important about something that you brought up, how you actually didn't recognize the letdown feeling because it hadn't been happening. And one thing I have heard a lot of women say on their breastfeeding journey, whether it's all breastfeeding, 50, 50, 25, 75, whatever, is that um, they actually didn't know what that letdown feeling was until later. And therefore they never knew to ask questions about their supply because they kind of just thought everything was okay because you've got no comparison. If you were to describe that sort of feeling, because then I'll describe it as well, because um, I just think that might be some information for any new mums out there that go, oh, you know, maybe I'm not getting a sensation. Is that warranted to ask a question? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, because I didn't feel it until I must have read it somewhere. I think it might have been my sister because she's she's had my, her second baby 11 days behind Romy, which is amazing. So um, amazing. Well, they haven't met yet, though, because she's in New yeah. Zealand, but hopefully. Um, so she described it to me, but I can, the way I feel it is like pins and needles, like like a tingling sort of, it's a little bit uncomfortable, but you sort of feel it like go down your chest a little bit. Um and it's like, and it's quite strong. As soon as she was like crying or I'd be thinking about her heaps um, or it was getting to, maybe I had, like this was probably a bit more established breastfeeding. Maybe if it had been like in a couple of hours since I'd last fed her, um, it was, yeah, like a tingling pins and needles, quite a strong feeling. What did, how would you describe it? I'd be interested. Yeah, so my, um, mine swelled. Like it literally sounds so silly. It was like they had their own life. Um, whether it was a few hours had passed or as you said, um, Kasima had started crying, I would literally just feel my chest get hot. I the the glands in my breasts would swell as well. Like I looked like I had nodules everywhere um, and they were really lumpy. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's purely 
like just a, a breastfeeding thing or because I've also got breast implants. So I don't know if sort of the lack of space made those glands stick out more because of the implants or I've, yeah, I've never seen anyone else breastfeed. So I don't, I don't know. Pardon? I, I know that I'd get veiny, like not, I've, I'm very small breasted, like but they're yeah. big because I'm getting bigger. Um, I was like, excellent. <laughs> I was going to say, they get so much bigger though, don't they? Like I've got implants and a whole, because I was small chested and then all of a sudden the milk come in and I was like, oh my God, I could, oh, I, I'm surprised yeah. I can stand up with these things. Um, <laughs> um, no, but they, like, no, if you get sick, how your glands in your neck swell or under your armpits? Uh, okay. when you get really yeah. sick yeah they're like nodules my whole chest would swell um and they'd feel really hot and then as soon as she just latched onto one side um the heat would kind of disappear and I would actually feel that like her first like gasp of milk I'd actually feel the release um yeah. so I hear women talk about a letdown and I'm not sure if like that was the actual letdown feeling but I know I definitely felt sounds silly I almost felt like my chest switch on to be like hey there's milk here which was that heat sensation and then as soon as Cosima latched on I just I it's like I could feel feel the milk um like I could feel her feeding and then as I got to learn how she feeds more um I started to feel like the the amount she was taking in so if the letdown didn't happen as well as it did one day to the next I could tell the disc like how much she was swallowing I don't know whether it was the sensation I could feel it or I could just hear her swallowing but I could definitely tell if yeah but I'm not sure or maybe it was both senses but um yeah I for me it was more so just like a heat swollen sort of feeling um and actually even if I heard a baby cry on tv the same thing would happen it's like yeah which was a like our bodies are so amazing. Who would have thought? Um, but it blew my mind on the timing thing as well because I fed on demand like you did. And sometimes if she hadn't fed for two or three hours or a random night where she didn't wake up for a feed until, say, a four-hour block, like at random, and I'd wake up and be like, oh, my goodness, like my chest is so heavy and so hot because it's like you're an hour late, lady. Go feed that human. But of course, I'm not going to wake her up if she's asleep. Yes, asleep. <laughs> I know when she's been doing a little bit longer stretches like we finally having a few better stretches in the last couple of weeks um yeah those like if she goes any longer than what she usually does I'm like oh my god wake up please yes (laughs) then I'm like no just go to sleep I've actually had to go and like massage like let down a little bit myself like just massage yeah yeah absolutely no because it gets sore so sore and I was like I'm not gonna wake her because this is what I've been trying to do but also I can't sleep it's um yeah oh my gosh well yeah because it does get really sore to lie down for sure yeah definitely um yeah and it's like you've worked so hard to get them to sleep you don't want to go and wake them up or wish that they're awake but your body's like what's going on that's supposed to be (laughs) yeah that's right and it's weird how your body just is so wise to that it's not like it you know it's got its internal clock yes but um yeah it that was definitely something that amazed me when just say half an hour, an hour went by and my chest was like, Hey, I'm ready. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, yeah. she's not like, wait. <laughs> um, now, obviously anyone who wants to reach out to you, they can contact you on Instagram at the wellness antidote. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I will put all of your links in the show notes. And if anyone watching or listening, if you could like subscribe or follow, that would be amazing. Um, I'm sure we're going to do a few follow-ups to this. I feel like there's a bit of a postpartum new mum saga that we could do. So, but for now, thank you so, so much for coming on and chatting to us about being a new mum. And it's been just such an awesome time. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.